Well, in these in these uh, services, as most of you know, but some of you may not know, we uh, we um, we just like to take our time and not be in a hurry with with what we do. Just give try to give all the attention to the Lord and then let Him direct us, and He does. He speaks, He moves, and uh, and each time it's different. But we we just trust Him that. Uh, when we put our eyes on Him and focus on Him, give Him place, it's all good. <laughs> Can't go wrong uh, uh, waiting on the Lord and doing what He tells you to do. Amen? Yeah. Isn't that how, isn't that how uh, uh, they turned the, how the first miracle happened in Jesus' ministry that turned the water into wine? Remember, Mary came to Jesus saying, got a problem here. And, you know, and uh, she, well, actually, she went to the servants and said, do whatever He says. Whatever He says, do that. That's a good good word, isn't it? Whatever the Lord says, do it, and then good things happen. Praise the Lord, and uh, and so we do that, and so we just take time to listen to Him, and and uh, He directs our steps. Praise God, and uh, one of the things that happens in the presence of God, of course, myriads of things can can transpire. Uh, some public, some not. You know, some things are announced, some things are not announced. They just happen. God's able to speak to multiple people at the exact same time and have, have different messages. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a service where someone was speaking and God totally spoke to you, but it wasn't even exactly what that person said. But while they were saying it, God spoke to you just in that environment, that anointing that was present, and uh, He's able to do that and, uh, and answer things. And the Lord gives us help. Uh, help comes in many fashions. I mean, if I need help moving this, well... That would be one way I need help. But sometimes I might just need to know, well, where does this go? Well, if I don't know where this is to go, if this needs to be somewhere and I don't know where it is to go, I don't need someone to come lift it with me because then we're just going to stand here. Sometimes the help I need is, uh, is insight, is light to know it needs to go here. <laughs> Till I know it needs to go here, there's no use me even moving it. Hmm. How many know it sometimes in life, until you know to go there, <laughs> there's no use moving anything. You know what I'm talking about? And so that's the way the Lord helps us sometimes, is by talking to us, by giving us instructions, by giving us clarity, by giving us uh, foresight. What a great advantage to know that the Holy Spirit would show us things to come. And He'd give us answers of things ahead of time. I mean, what an advantage. I'll say, you can never know the future. It's one thing you can't know. Well, you can by Him, though. Yeah. We can't predict it naturally, and he, you know what I'm talking about, but, but He can tell you because He knows everything. And, uh, and thank God. And so the Lord gives us help. Let's, uh, let's do something different tonight. Want to? <laughs> I, uh, I don't think we've ever done this. And uh, so... Let's do this now. Um, Amy, come on up. She's going to rap. <laughs> it seems good. It seems good for the next little bit here to talk and share a little bit about uh, relational things and marriage-type issues. So I brought up the person who knows everything about that. <laughs> And uh, and deal with those kind of those kind of uh, answers, those kind of 
uh, helps. And that's, that's true for those who have been, who are, who want to be in that type of relationship, uh, marriage relationship. In fact, I was unexpected, so you have to excuse all my gum. And you do a service like this, you don't have a plan. This is for questions. If you have a, you have a, a, a question re- regarding these areas, um, then Pastor Neil will bring a mic to you. I can do that. And then, uh, and then we, you can, we can help uh, go a certain direction with some of these questions and uh, inspired by you, all right, and what, and what things you, you want. Uh, so if you have one at any time in there, just kind of stick it up until he sees you. He can bring that mic over to you. This is not a, a big oversized Bible study, so we want to limit the, <laughs> the questions to actually questions as opposed to many sermons all over, even though many of you probably have excellent things to say about the subject matter, okay? And so uh, if you have something, you know, uh, go ahead any time. You know, w- one of the things that um, I'm aware of and have been able to see both practically and through the scriptures is that a, a relationship and a marriage relationship is both spiritual and natural, all right? If we don't recognize that, we miss some of the um, advantages we have as believers. Yet, if you only see that, you miss some of the common sense that God has placed into place. You know it's possible to not be saved and have a relatively good marriage. Many people do, you know. And then you've got some people who are saved, tongue talkers, and, uh, and, and whoo, and it's bad news. <laughs> you know, it's some scary stuff. And I, I always find it interesting that, uh, that some of the things that God has used us in, uh, let, let me say it this way, some of the things that God has intended for our lives to be of the greatest benefit and joy and satisfaction can also be the source of the most pain and problems and struggle. Not that that, 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 that that didn't originate with the Lord, but if things are done rightly, oh, it's so fulfilling and so wonderful. And if they're dealt with in a wrong way, it can be hell on earth, even with uh, two people who are saved, you know. And we know there's so many myriad of different situations and circumstances uh, that people deal with. And that's why we just want to, uh, you know, kind of open up and, and talk and share. Praise the Lord. Do you have anything you want to say? Well, when I pause, that's when you come in. <laughs> You're not trying to sleep yet. That's when I talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what I don't really know that, though. I don't really know that you're talking because I'm sleeping. Um, One thing, one thing of that that is of note, and I probably actually won't even read this, but I want to have this on hand though. It's from First Peter chapter three, but the scriptures instruct uh, instruct husbands to dwell with their wives according to knowledge or understanding, as some of the scriptures say. Understanding and knowledge. But it's interesting there that the language used is not revelation knowledge. Not to say that the Lord couldn't give a husband or wife a revelation 
that would help them in their relationship. No doubt, that's kind of what we're doing and what we're talking about. But it's real interesting, what the scriptures deal with there is natural knowledge, all right? In other words, husbands are told, dwell with your wife according to natural knowledge, not things you got in the heavenlies, you know, not things where you got, uh, you know, where you were just spending time with the Lord. Again, the Lord can talk to you, but the answer there is knowledge that's arrived at from natural life. In other words, uh, a husband is to know what his wife likes, what she doesn't like, what her interests, what her buttons are, I don't know, what her uh, natural things. And that, and it is in, a, in, a, in accordance with that, that he is to dwell with her. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. In other words, it's not all, you just need to pray more. You just need to seek God more. No. A lot of things in relationships come by this. You need to talk more. With who? Not with the Lord. I mean, there's that side. Again, we don't minimize that. You need to talk with your spouse more. You need to talk and find out what, what, what's going on in their brain, what's going on in their emotions, what's going on in their, life, in their life, as opposed to trying to spiritualize everything. Amen. Amen. And so we can all learn some things. There, is, there are relationships this way, and this is the most important, this vertical relationship, but there are relationships this way that are, are very much in play in all of our lives that need to be uh, right need to be right. Amen? Amen. Well, don't sit there and stare at me all day. (laughs) Somebody, (laughs) your question doesn't have to be necessarily you, uh, or it could be changed. That's usually advisable, uh, slightly, names and places and times (laughs) and and, and so forth. And in that regard, it helps to um, you to be open and you can, you know, don't get an elbow in the ribs in the middle of your question. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, why don't you go ahead and say something? You got to be paying attention. <laughs> you got something to say before he asks his question? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm, it'll come, and then it'll right. keep coming. Oh, no, you don't want that. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's a question more of something that can just be addressed. I've noticed a lot of attacks, especially on relationships and marriages in the body. I mean, especially among spiritual Christians, like you were saying. I had a word earlier while we were worshiping, but it seemed to have nothing with the, the flow. It's like, yeah, woo. Thank you. That's, a, that's hot. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so... Uh, and so I wondered, because sometimes it seems that different people that you talk to, it gets to where, well, this offense or what they did or this problem I'm having, it's far more than what restoration can do for me. And I'm curious about that mindset where it comes to that point where you get in your mind, well, there's nothing the blood can do for me now. It's, it's too far gone. You know, I just hear that more and more. It's like, well, now my problem is bigger than, I mean, in their mindset, it's like my problem is bigger than what Jesus did for me, you know, or for my relationship. Does that make sense? Kind of, I guess. Not really, but. uh, I'm just, I'm just curious if you can address that. Well, when it comes to the blood being sufficient, of course, we Mm -hmm. know uh, the blood of Jesus is sufficient for everything. Mm -hmm. It literally washes away the most powerful 
or the, the worst of sins, mm-hmm. uh, including anything done wrong in marriage. You know, that's what that's what separates um, our relationships from those of the world, where uh, we have a supernatural love, not just a natural love. Anyone can love back. You know, you love me, I love you. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Uh, to love on a supernatural level is called agape. It's the love of God. And that does allow people to forgive um, at the level that God would forgive a murderer. That God would forgive a rapist. You know, that God would forgive some of the most heinous crimes. Literally, it was put on Jesus. And that same love is in us. And learning to yield to that love... Uh, is worth everything. It makes heaven on earth uh, in relationships. Praise God. In regard to that too, it's your heart follows your thoughts. And so I think a lot of times, especially in marriage, you can meditate on the good things or you can meditate on the bad. And human nature is to meditate on the bad things or find the faults. And so constantly thinking about the things that are wrong or bad or the offense or this you know, horrible thing they did, um, it just draws your heart further and further away. And so to um, refocus, I think um, sometimes we just overlook all the good things. There's nothing good. Well, there's probably a hundred things that are good. But instead we choose to focus on the thing that's not good. And that takes us down a road and down a path that we don't really want to be on. And then, you know, it's just like, you know, where sin starts and then when it is full, you know, conceived and then it's full-blown and then, and then it's death. It's that same principle. It starts as a seed and the seed grows and grows. And, and then the other thing I would say along those lines is when you're in love with somebody or when you love somebody, you're married or whatever, it's a, it's a choice or a decision that you made at some point. And probably it didn't start out as a decision. It probably started out as a woo I'm in love. <laughs> but at some point it has to that become really happened with her. <laughs> it hadn't stopped though. That's <laughs> Woo! <Yeah>. Every single day. <laughs> anyway, at some point it has to it has to become a, de- a choice. It has to become a decision. This is what I've chosen and it has to be based on principle. Otherwise, Feelings are going to wane and wax, and sometimes you'll feel it, and sometimes you won't. And when when you're when you're you know, there's times when the feeling is not there, and the offense is, and you're meditating on the offense, and I don't have this feeling anymore. So if you're not if you're not held there by your commitment and your choice, then you know you start compromising little things, and then pretty soon it's not that big of a deal. Let me say something about the the concept of a marriage under attack. Okay, there's a possibility there that we could miss it simply by attributing the problems to the devil. I've seen it with people who are not even married, that they're dating or engaged, look, they want to be married, and they're, you know, already in counseling. You know, our relationship is just under attack. Well, uh, if, you know, if there are serious problems at that stage you might want to seriously consider that this is the wrong decision, the wrong way to go. 
But even once married, of course, you don't have that option anymore. Uh, but when someone says, you know, our marriage is just under attack, I question that. And I'm not saying the devil couldn't attack or he does want to disrupt marriages, but he has to have an open door to move through. He really does. If I, ref- if I refuse and Amy refuses to fight or argue or have strife, that is a huge door that is closed in the devil's face, and he can attack all he wants. But if we refuse to speak uh, harsh words toward each other or be argumentative, then that door is closed. You know, not all resisting the devil. Watch now. We know James 4, 7, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Not all resisting the devil looks like this. Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Now, that can be appropriate at times, but I resist the devil by yielding to the Spirit of God. I resist him by when temptation comes my way, I say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not falling for this. I'm not going to yield my mind and my thinking. And, And if I find myself getting in the flesh, which we all have done, got in the flesh with someone else, then you immediately fix it. <laughs> fix it, get it right, apologize, get things back on. What does that do? That slams the door to the devil. Okay? Again, that does, I'm not taking anything away from praying and praying, you know, and praying in the Spirit and, and, and doing, doing business in the, you know, in the Spirit and so forth. Uh, but let's not get weird with it. Let's recognize that, that it could be a trap of the enemy just to make everything spiritual when we're given place to the, the enemy. Amen. Next. If you got one in between, signal the mic man ahead of time so we can he can know where, you, where he's going next. Um, sorry. A few, a few years ago, um, when Tanda and I lived in Nebraska, we were... Um, shopping for a church, and we went to this one church, and it just so happened that... Did you buy uh, it? <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, while we were there, this young, unmarried couple came forward, and they basically had a message for the church that um, they were intending to get married, but that they had had um, premarital relations, and now she was pregnant. And um, my my wife and I we've we've talked about this conversation since since visiting this church. We've talked many times about was was that really appropriate that they get up and announce this to the whole church? Was there you know what at, at what point does um, does something like this, you know, need to be revealed to everybody or whatever? You know, we, I was like, so are you okay. saying that they exposed them for the purpose of exposing their sin? Is yeah, that I guess we we weren't the, exactly sure. The church sure did, or it was voluntary. They they volunteered to come forward with it. I think because were, were they, they were in leadership. I do not think they were. They were just a young couple, eighteen, twenty years old. Well, I, I mean, you're dealing with a situation there that obviously. The body of Christ is not supposed to seek to expose people. You're not going to hide a pregnancy, though. <laughs> and, uh, and if it's in a very small situation, everyone's going to know about it anyway. Maybe that was their intent, that they were 
if this is known, this is public, maybe they wanted to acknowledge that they had done wrong, get it out in the open instead of everyone talking about it, and, you know, forgiveness and healing can take place. Uh, it's hard for me to judge the entire situation not knowing it. I can tell you, uh, years ago, I was uh, a youth pastor, and at one point, there was a, a teenage girl, probably 16, 15, 16, that got pregnant, and, uh, you know, there was... At the time, probably only 50, 60 youth or something like that. And uh, uh, anyway, so everyone knew about it. <laughs> and, uh, and so what we, we dealt with that in a, in a public way, in the sense in the youth church, we dealt with it. And uh, this person was repentant, but, you know, the deed is done. And, uh, and, and they, were, they didn't want to leave church they didn't want to leave the lord or backslide you know any more than they had in that situation and so we dealt with that publicly we said hey this is so and so this is what's ha- this is what's happened if you had don't didn't know already and and uh and we're we just want to love on her we want to surround her with forgiveness and faith and love and she's got a lot of challenges going forward with her life so we had everyone gather around her and pray for her and and uh and lift her up and she's still serving god today and this is many, many, many years later. So, I have a sister, and she's been married just about two years. And this is not her first marriage. And her husband continually watches women and... It's not just a glance. It's, you know, it's, he watches women. It hurts her deeply. She feels betrayed. She feels like she's not good enough. They've had counseling and prayer, and and it remains a problem. And she is just totally frustrated with the situation and feels like, you know, he's looking at women, and like the Bible says, you know, you, you, know, you look and you you know, to lust after her, you know, you've already committed that adultery in her heart, and she feels, you know, so frustrated with the situation, she's thinking about divorcing, and do you feel that that is a biblical basis for a divorce? No. Um, it's wrong, and I, I don't. I don't disagree. Chime in anytime you want, but I, I don't disagree with the fact that that's hurtful to her, and and she it could, would cause her those types of feelings and emotions, and and dealing with it directly would be the right thing for her to do. And it, but it all depends on his response. Is he struggling and wanting to change, and he just needs support and counsel and help, uh, or is he acting like, hey, it's no big deal, you know, I'm a man and Women are around, and men look, and, you know, that's, a, that's an attitude where he's not going to change, and he could potentially go further with that. But just to answer your question directly, is it grounds for divorce? Uh, no. And again, when we're, if we're talking about believers here, um, we should always seek to fix things. I hate to quote Facebook, but uh, <laughs> but I did see something on there that uh, I thought was interesting. <laughs> And there's a lot of good quotes people put on Facebook. But uh, 
this was a, an, a graphic that had a, an old couple, and there was a question posed to them about, because they'd been married, married something like 60 years, and someone was asking them how they did that, you know, how they could stay married. He sa- and they said, we came from a, a time and a place where when something was broken, we fixed it. We didn't throw it away. And so I really believe every effort and it ought to be put into uh, making things work and making things godly because the worst of situations, there have been very bad situations that I'm aware of where in marriages where they were turned around and through wisdom of God, through the principles of God's word put into place, things weren't only salvaged but eventually became wonderful. Say amen or say oh me. Yeah, it's good. I just, I think, I want to add something in um, regards to biblical grounds for divorce. I think in the church, we kind of ask ourselves that question. Like, we want permission. Like, it's okay. It'll only be okay if this happened or this happened. And I think that that's kind of, in some regards, it's almost like on Sunday when we talked about the old. Um, That's the old way. The rules are the old way. And I think the heart of God is always reconciliation and seeking to fix and to change. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes we're dealing with a situation and it's so hurtful that it's hard to to um, see the other side. But I think the if we if we're truly, I I, I don't I don't really know where I'm going with that thought, but I'm just saying that um, we're we're wanting a per, we're wanting permission to. We want, you know, we want the law. We want to obey this and that. We want to go by this rule and that rule. And in reality, I think it could be heinous and horrendous what happened in a marriage, and there can still be restoration. Let me let me throw something else out there, uh, because there's situations are so unique, and oftentimes the only attention from a problem in a marriage is placed upon the one who openly or outward, outwardly and obviously did something wrong with the assumption that if one didn't commit the crime or do the, the whatever thing that was detrimental to that relationship, that if one wasn't that person, then everything they did was angelic. And seldom is that the case. All right? And this is not to take responsibility off anyone who does something wrong within a relationship. However, there are many other factors that sometimes contribute to one person being the one who broke the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, the doing the last thing. Many times there's other factors in place, okay? I can be blunt. Uh, if, if one person is having sexual temptation and at home they're not getting any action, that's a big cause for them being sexually tempted. Okay? doesn't make it okay for them to fail, but it does give some understanding as to why they did. That's why the Scriptures give us instructions, 1 Corinthians 7, about how man and woman should treat each other in regards to the physical sexual relationship. Amen. Who's next? Pastor. 
I didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> Pastor. The Lord used to call me by my first name, so I... Uh, I had a question since no one raised a hand. One of the steps, the first step towards marriage is having a tough time is disappointment. So if a couple finds themselves in a place of disappointment where he's disappointed with her and he has a list and she's disappointed with him and they have a list and they're stuck there, what's some advice on how you can get unstuck from that spot? You got it or, or I got it? Well, uh, disappointment comes from unfulfilled expectations. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so when you're expecting something, you're expecting your spouse to do something, they don't do it, of course you're going to be disappointed. And those things build up over time. Uh, that's why the, the law of love, which is the commandment for the New Testament, it is not focused on self. And you can quickly remove any disappointments by not expecting your spouse to do anything for you. And you, you take your attention off you and put your focus on what you can do for them. Now you're operating in a godly principle that will fix all disappointments. And it will actually be seed sown to cause really good things to come back to you. And so that's one of the hardest lessons to learn as a human being <laughs> with flesh. Because we are mindful of ourselves. We, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not a new believer. I'm not newly married. I'm... You know, in one sense, I should have no excuse, but, um, you know, just insight. I find, I, I at times am talking to the Lord about myself because I've th I'm thinking about myself too much. And, uh, you know, this is confession time, I guess. But, you know, when I walk up to, when I get into a conversation and I don't ask people how they're doing, you know, I had a meeting with someone recently and they were doing all these things. And, uh, you know, helping with the church and doing some things. And I got done with it. And I thought, you know, I didn't even once ask them how they were doing. I thought, well, what a selfish rascal. I was so caught up with myself and what, with the task at hand, I didn't really check into their life. And, uh, well, that's the flesh. And we need to, the love of God doesn't operate that way. And when that gets in a marriage relationship, that's detrimental because then you start thinking, if I'm aware of what I need and what I want, then I'm expecting her to deliver. When my faith needs to be in the Lord supplying my needs and taking care of me, that way I can rest, in fact, and, and, and serve and love and, and, and so forth. Well, and just a tag on the end of that is sometimes we're seeking for our fulfillment from a, a mate, um, you know, as far as being, having those expectations unmet. But you're, you're, instead of looking to God to fulfill us and to love us and to complete us, we're, we're kind of getting that from this way instead, and that makes us a weak partner, really. Uh, we're a stronger, more healthy partner in a marriage or a relationship when we're getting our, our fulfillment and our, our um, acceptance and our love and our affection from the Lord, and then we can, we can deal more healthy, healthily sure, you can in do that, that relationship. You can make words up. <laughs> I'm not sitting over there to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Question over here. Yeah. Um, I guess my question is, um, you know, a lot of scriptures in the Bible, I think there's over 2,000, about finances. Okay? And being able to manage a budget and be able to communicate well enough with each other to be able to 
stay on the same page, so to speak. And then also unforeseen things, you know, how do you, you know, as far as in the relationship, you know, there's kids' birthdays that they're invited to parties and things that weren't already set aside for for that in the budget that can create havoc or conflicts within the household. So just some, maybe some words of wisdom or some things in that are along those lines. On the finances and not on the On the finances, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt uh, finances are one of the issues that uh, people struggle with. And I think ultimately you go down to the root of things. It has to do with the previous situation of, of uh, me and mine and fighting for my way and, and all that kind of stuff. And a, a couple can get to a position where they just refuse to let strife in their home. However, you know, finances is one of the areas the enemy will attack. Or, but, but again, we have to give place to it. And so you kind of, I think, almost answered that whole thing even in the question um, if birthdays kind of happen on a regular basis, I think they do. Uh, friends, when you get invited to a friend's party or something, you have to buy a gift. Right. You weren't expecting. Okay. I know you have an answer for that one. Uh, but, uh, right? I'll, let you, I'll just let you go ahead and answer it. Well, um, I could go on and on about the whole finances thing, but I think that you can be prepared for those things that come up and not spend a lot of money. You could budget a, an amount of money for those types of things, but being watchful over the course of the year, every time you're out, if you see something and it's a really inexpensive little child's gift, to put it away because you know that they're going to get invited to a party. So then you have it. You didn't spend a lot, you know, and you, you're prepared. But um, in regards to... Um, the whole financial issue, I think sometimes we we buy into the lie that we have to have it just like the neighbor has it. We have our finances in our marriage or in our home, they have to just look just like what theirs looks like or theirs looks like or theirs looks like or what it's like on TV. And we compare ourselves and what we have or what we need to what everybody else has and needs. And I think that sometimes we really just have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, you know, what What do we really need to be spending our money on? And I think a lot of times we get bullied into spending money on things that we really aren't choosing. You're not choosing to spend money on it. You're being pressured. And and so that is where a lot of the, the lies and the deception as far as finances come in. You know, even in a marriage, so, you you know, maybe one person is a spender and one person isn't. Well, why is one person a spender? Why are they going out and buying new clothes or a new motorcycle or a new this or a new that? Golf clubs. Golf club, whatever. You know, whatever the, whatever the spending thing is. Airplane. There's d- definitely a deeper cause to that. It's not just, you know, I mean, it wasn't obviously a calculated decision that you went out and purchased something, it's one person is feeling there's something that they're needing, they're trying to fulfill with purchasing things. Or, you know, they feel like they should, or my friend has this, or my friend, you know, my girlfriend does this all the time, so I should be able to do this all the time. But it's it's back to the whole decisions again thing. We, what, what have you decided is important and priority for your family? And that's what your budget or your spending should look like. Not like what the neighbors down the street are spending their money on. And even a birthday party. Who says you have to go? Who says you have to bring a gift? Who, why can't your kid take a, um, 
a um, gift certificate to go on an outing with them or have a play date or a sleepover or something like that. There's not a written rule that you have to spend money when people, when, when people present you with the opportunity. And so we have to really get control over the decisions of our finances and not be pushed around by external people or, or you know, ideas that we might, be, might have slipped in there somehow. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. So stop thinking like an American and spending it anyway. Because <laughs> that's what we do in our country. We spend no matter whether we have it or not. And then guess what? That's coming back on you. <laughs> then you bought it twice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I have a question. Um, you know, when I was single, I used to think I walked in love so good. Like, man, I had this walking in love thing down, Pat. And I'm assuming that a lot of other single people in here think they've got it down pat, too. But uh, getting married, you know, we come to realize how quickly we don't walk in love. And um, so that being said, I'm asking this for the single people in here, for the people who uh, maybe want to be married and that kind of stuff. What are some things that you can say to to the single people in here to help remove those rose-colored glasses on how perfect their relationship or their marriage is going to be because, you know, one, they walk in love so well, or I don't know what your problem is, you know, you, you know, and just maybe help remove some of those lenses that they're looking through as to how glorious their relationship is going to be, not realizing how difficult it can be at times. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple sides to that. One is I don't totally want to remove that thought because marriage can be awesome and it can be wonderful. It is God's idea and people can have a great marriage for their whole life and have... And some don't realize this, but there are a lot of marriages that have relatively very few problems and very few big moments, you know, or in all the big moments, they're not really huge moments. So that is possible. Uh, But whenever you get two people together, of course, you're going to have some degree of different opinions and different interests and, and so forth. But I think even the question itself can serve to some degree in removing the glasses, just the, the reality of hearing from those who are where the grass is greener, mm-hmm. who are already on the other side, and, and, and you know, just to, uh, to let people know that, hey, it's not all 24-hour uh, honeymoon and, uh, uh, for the rest of your life, and it's not about all the great times. It is about life. And it's about decisions, and it's about dealing with the finances. And when they aggravate you, and you want to take it out on the other person, and you know, and and then all the the other things of life, those are just those things are true. Talk to anyone who's been married, anyone who's been married a long time. They've learned, like the Facebook said, uh, <laughs> they have learned how to fix things. They have not their they, their marriage was not made in heaven. Their marriage was made on earth, and they learned how to uh, get the oil, you know, the three-in-one out and, <laughs> and, and take care of the, the, the squeaks and, uh, and fix the things that are broken. And if you don't do that, you know, eventually you've got a broken-down house. I know for you it's just been heaven on earth, right? It has. <laughs> Interestingly, on the, other, on the flip side of that, where you said you thought you walked in love, until you got married, you know, you thought you were so good at it. Um, I, I guess the flip side for that, of that for, for, um, women is we think we know how to submit and there's so much misunderstanding in the world today about submission. Um, and 
and just in the world, in the whole women's lib movement, but in the in the church as well. And submission is really um, it, it's really a position of strength, of character. But the the re, in regards to what your comment was is you think you know how or you can or you're submissive until you have an opportunity. <laughs> I just, I grew up in a house where, you know, it was like I thought I was, but really I had learned how to manipulate the system a little bit until, um, you know, I could obey but still have my own way. And so, anyway, it's just a learning process. I mean, living with someone else is, you, you're learning all the time. It's not, you know, it's not like all of a sudden you wake up and everything's perfect and it will be for the rest of your life. You just kind of always make little course corrections and adjustments along the way. Yeah. And the whole concept is, is a, something we teach in our authentic life stuff, which you all have gone through or either have or in the process of. Um, <laughs> amen. Uh, uh, is that submission only comes into place when there's disagreement. You know, when people are in, in agreement, submission is not even a word that's used. They call it that, but it's not supposed to be used. It only comes into place when the, you want to do one thing and, and an authority says something different. And it can only be given. It can't be forced. Right. So. Yeah, that's a whole other issue. When someone tries to force another person to do something, that should have no place in marriage. So I, I got this friend that knows a, a friend of a relative. <laughs> it's not, it can't be me because my wife's not here and I wouldn't talk about our marriage without her here to back it. No. So this friend. I know this lady. <laughs> She's got a great husband. <laughs> he is perfect in every perfect marriage. But I've seen. <laughs> no, um, you pointed out at the beginning that it's not uh, always about revelation knowledge, it's about natural knowledge. So I'm hoping you can address uh, experiences that this person has had uh, in the past that they know that other person that's dealt with it, dealing with uh, the. The, the female side of emotions and the male side of not emotions and uh, and the male maybe dealing with spiritual things and say okay don't don't deal with the emotions yet it's obviously a wisdom to to the natural so what is a great example of how you balance that uh, still allowing the one guy's way a gal's way I, you know, you know. What I'm, I think you know what I'm trying to say. Tell me how you feel about this. <laughs> exactly. Man. Well, obviously, the balance here is you know, live long and prosper, and you know, the no emotion, which God did not create us that way, man or woman, to be emotionless or to be feeling less. Uh, but on the other side, emotions can dominate a person and be out of control. And men not and that, women. Not are, that that's this other person that I'm talking about either. That doesn't doesn't happen. Just curious, <laughs> just so you know that. In general, uh, <laughs> emotions need to be dealt with, and it's it's possible for um, a woman or a man, uh, of course, to be too emotional and be too too feeling led. I mean, that's that's a reality, and 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 that's can be a great hindrance. So. Uh, the balance, I think, is to 
and you, maybe you can help me out on this because you're coming from a different perspective, but um, a man should not, a husband should not dismiss his wife's feelings and act like they're invalid, act like they're, well, that's just emotion. You know, you just need to walk by faith, you know. And then you're saying, you're saying true statements, but the context is making it sound harsh, make, it's misapplying. And so um, the feelings of a wife should be acknowledged. And I guess the challenge is when those feelings have become dominant and are too much, then a gentle talk about those can be appropriate. Hey, I think this is getting out of hand here. I see how you feel, but, you know, it can ultimately get into selfishness. Well, I, I just, I think that's something I struggled with too as a, te- as a teenager and even, you know, into college where for us women, I think we are, to, we tend to be more emotional and, and I didn't ever know that you weren't supposed to just let them run wild. And so that's just, I mean, that's something that if you've never been taught and a lot of people have never been taught that my emotions do not rule me. I'm in charge of me. <laughs> and people, you know, you make decisions and you make bad decisions when you're emotional. And so it can really just be a bad spiral. And then pretty soon you're depressed and you're on this medication and no one wants to be around you because you're always whiny. And I mean, I, it's very real. It really is very real. And so I think God is so wise. He's, he was so good to put a husband and a wife together, a man and a woman, where we, we would tend to more, speaking in general terms, get carried away with our emotions. And they, in turn, would tend to be more, you know, let's deal with this rationally, according to reason. That's right. And I just think that it's... it's uh, the 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 melding of the two is like perfect. That's like so good, and I I'm so thankful that God has given me something in my life to kind of rein me in sometimes. And he's, he's probably glad that he has a little more you know emotion in his world. <laughs> you said probably, right? Yeah, oh. I did say probably. <laughs> I think on both sides there should be a respect of differences and not just immediately throw out how the other person thinks and responds and reacts. Of course, we all should be looking to grow and be mature in the way we are, but respect the other person and how they are. You know, one thing I thought was a was a compliment about, a, I don't know, a year or so ago. You know how uh, parents are often seen by their kids as, I don't know, they don't get a whole lot of credit, and uh, I was, I was, I was finally given credit for something by my oldest daughter, and she she was basically uh, saying um, after she had been around a bunch of other girls her her age, and out of her the way she would describe it, she says they just you know what would she say they flip out about everything you know kind of like so much drama so much such a make everything a big deal. She said, I'm so glad, I think she was telling you, I'm so glad dad didn't let us act that way. <laughs> you know, because I would, especially when they're younger, and she was younger, of course, and uh, something would come up and there's a like, Wah! you know, it's the, the universe is falling apart. I'd, I'd be like, would you control yourself? 
Stop acting like this is the end of the world. You don't cry over that. You know, that might sound harsh to some of you, but, you know, came back. She appreciates it now. The fact that she deals with stuff and doesn't, as a normal rule, just overreact to everything. We had a situation even last night when she's on a team and they were all having, they were having to get it all out session. They're all crying and yelling, and the coach is encouraging it. And I thought, oh, Lord, help us. Uh, We're encouraging a bunch of teenage girls to be emotional. uh, Let me at least point out, I want to back up my wife here. She's not here. When when I was speaking about this, it's literally for me, learning to – she's not wigging out emotion stuff. She's just expressing emotion. It was a lesson for me to learn how to – deal as God would with somebody in the heart that he has for somebody and listen just listen instead of just have the answer spiritually yeah. on it. so anyway well I'm trying to I think her you her bring a good she point hears word there. I hear you got issues apparently <laughs> I'm never there at the end of apparently that. I've heard this that uh, a lot of times when wives have or women have issues they don't always want the answer is that true they just want to be heard and understood <laughs> and uh, That's a good question right there you know, and I'm still trying to figure that out, but am I, is that right? You can't, can't nod on. You gotta. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> in fact, they fixing it isn't helpful when you're in the throes of emotion. You just have to talk it out. And that makes it better. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn that still. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as a single person who's, for well, in my case, and I know there's quite a few others, but um, as a single person who's praying in their future spouse, what is something that like, we need to do to prepare ourselves for marriage and that for that next step? That's a great question. We could do a sermon on that. Uh, you can go first if you want, but go ahead. Sure. Um, well, in order to get a good spouse, you first have to be a good spouse. So I think a good place to start is making sure there aren't things in your life that are going to be offensive or a turnoff to someone else and, um, you know, working on your relationship with the Lord instead of seeking a spouse because what happens is it's that same type of deal. You're looking for someone so hard for your fulfillment and your, you know, your, your focus is this way instead of this way, and so then you make a bad, maybe possibly a bad choice about who you end up with because you were so consumed with, I have to have, instead of letting God be your fulfillment. Um, but, you know, there are issues, and you, um, I'll, I'll just say, you know, physical issues are a big deal, especially for um, a woman. You know, we need to do what is in our power to make sure that we're attractive to our spouse or future spouse. Or future, that's, yeah, future, both, 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 okay. And, um, and so, you know, you can be working on that, health and fitness and um, taking care of yourself, you know, not, not that you have issues, but I mean, I'm just saying that is, <laughs> come on, Billy, fix yourself up a little bit. What in the world? <laughs> I think that can kind of go both ways, too. I mean, I... I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be attracted to some guy who spends his life in his, you know, same pants and, you know, did, combed his hair about once a month. And, I mean, that's not attractive. So, 
you have to be attractive to attract someone. And um, other than that, you know, I mean, just working on yourself spiritually, uh, in your soulish realm, and in the natural, in your physical body. Yeah, just think spirit, soul, and body as far as preparation, relationship with God how you relate to others that's your social relationship and dealing with your mind and of course like amy said the the physical side all those things come into play sometimes they're sometimes those other things are dismissed when it comes to christians because we just we're going to pray in tongues and everything's going to work out and no it's not going to work out that's marriage is not uh, a spiritual thing i mean it is to a degree but i mean it's a physical relationship it's a it's an emotional social relationship but the other thing that i, I would encourage um Stand on the word for sure, you know. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. You know, you are the wife, so you'll be found. Uh, finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. He who walks uprightly before God, he'll withhold no good thing from him. And uh, but the, So you stand on the word. You trust. You believe that the Lord is directing your steps, leading you and that, potent, and that person across each other's path. Pray that you'll know it when you see them, not that you'll tell them right away. Uh, <laughs> But you'll have a knowing on the inside because you have an advantage. And that doesn't mean you dismiss natural things and uh, the compatibility and stuff like that. But the Lord will lead you and direct you in regards to that. But beyond that, don't become dissatisfied as a single person. Find your satisfaction in the Lord and uh, let you, you know, rejoice in, in Him. And as you serve the Lord, you become more attractive to the kind of guy that you want. You don't want an idiot who, who only looks at the outside who only cares about natural things. You want someone who loves God more than you. And you want someone who has those things. And if you seek God first and put Him first, you'll not become discontent and then set, you know, settle for something that you really shouldn't or someone that you shouldn't. Um, and it'll be right at the right time. And it'll be fine. We've had Amen. A, a little bit of a testimony in regards to that. Yeah, let's not tell it now, though. It's too long. <laughs> Another time. Yeah. Hi. Uh, we have four girls, and I'm wondering what your views are just on teenage dating. What the best course is? Send them to the youth church and ask the youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of Christian theories, you know, a lot of different views yeah. on dating. What do you guys well, teach? And... We don't anymore. I used to teach on it a lot when I dealt with youth. Uh, dating is not a is not a Bible word. It's it, it's all different cultures deal in in history deal with that uh, joining of marriage differently. You know everything from arranged marriages to the modern U.S. dating system, which there are a lot of flaws in it, uh, a lot of selfishness in it, a lot of uh, you know a lot of setups. I think for bad results doesn't mean that. Christian people can't approach it and do it in a godly way, in a wise way, and, and have good results. Um, it's really a big subject just to answer real quick. I mean, my encouragement for, it uh, depends on their age, but I mean, if, if you got to come up with an age when they can, if you're, if you're going to let them at all. But I don't encourage those who are of non-marrying age, like 16, like 15, like 14, like 17, you know, they shouldn't be getting married at that time. Therefore, I don't think they should pursue a serious relationship. And there are a lot of reasons why I say that. I think that they are better off having relationships with guys and girls 
but keeping them as light as possible, as friendship-oriented as possible until they get in the season of their life when if that relationship becomes serious, becomes the real deal, they can take it to the next stage. Otherwise, what are you going to do? I mean, I know there's going to be stories in here, and I'm not asking for comments. But what are you going to do, have a seven-year dating relationship and stay out of the sack? You know, you can, I mean, there's just, you're going to have a seven-year dating relationship where kids go through high school and they have no other friends because it's all one person. I think there's a lot of drawbacks to uh, the way our society does it, okay? Again, I'm not throwing stones at anyone who does it and, and does things a certain way, it's, but there, there are some traps of the enemy. Indeed. Good answer? Good answer. Good, succinct answer. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've had several friends and acquaintances that, um, and they've been women, that have had a list of what they want in a man. And um, I have seen, we've tried to introduce them to different people that we think, <laughs> oh, they make a great couple. But um, they have this list in their mind, and they go, well, no, he doesn't really, he doesn't cause any spark in me or anything. And what I'd like to know is what kind of encouraging words can you say to them because they have this whole map in their mind of what that guy is supposed to be like but um and then they they're still alone because they're not willing to move away from that list so what encouragement can i give them go ahead um well just real quick i would i would really it depends how close you are to them but you could ask them how realistic is their list and are they everything that they're wanting i mean do you what what are they getting in you yeah What's the trade-off? I mean, are you expecting, um, you know, a diamond when you're a cubic zirconia? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, if you're close enough to them, I you mean, might you not want to say like that. that to them, though. <laughs> you are totally gravel. <laughs> but I mean, it's a fair question because. If you really are trying to help them and they really are, be un- their expectations are really kind of unfair, um, I think it might be a good idea to, to say, okay, you know what, let's examine this because, you, you know, do you want to be alone forever because this person doesn't exist? I mean, maybe on <laughs> or TV. Or they exist in a magazine. You found them and that's the one. In reality, they, what, he, what they're really like is nothing what they have on their list. You know what I mean? So to just examine it and see if it's realistic. And just have that conversation and say, you know, this is for to help you. Or if they need to, you know, if they if they still are unwilling to budge on their list, maybe are there some things in their own life that they need to work on? I mean, I, I just wonder if someone has this list of characteristics they want, and I imagine a lot of those are physical characteristics. And really, if the, you found someone and they were nine of these things, but this tenth one, you know, they weren't that, you're really going to just discard them? I mean, I think that's too rigid. But and I hear just the opposite. I keep hearing, at my age, I should be happy How old with is anybody. That? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I should take anyone as long as they're a Christian. And that's what I keep hearing, you know. You hear the the dissent? No, I, yeah, but I'm talking. People here in the church are telling me stuff like that. What, what's their names? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Say names. 
Oh, yeah. Give me their age. And No, I'm, I disagree with that. I don't think you'd, marriage is too serious. Just going to take anyone who's got a fish on their bumper, you know, or. No. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to, you have to be okay. Everyone has to be okay with that person not being perfect in every way, spirit, soul, and body. Because there's not anyone like that that is. That is. And so, but to just say, I'll take anyone. Eh. That's not a good idea. It's better to be, it's better to be single than to be married and want to be single. (laughs) Amen. a little too much agreement there. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think that's good for tonight. And... uh, (laughs) Let's end right there. (laughs) Praise the Lord.